The Rough Drafts Podcast is sponsored by Unicorn.com, the world's premier esport betting site. Log on today to bet on all your favorite esports titles at the simple click of a button. Choose your game, choose your team, earn Unicorns, and who knows, maybe you'll earn enough to enter to win any number of fabulous prizes, such as Logitech peripherals or CSGO skins in their marketplace. Unicorn.com. Log on today. Hello, Internet. This is Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar. I am a free agent head coach and analyst as well as a contributor at Slingshot Esports. And welcome to another edition of the Rough Drafts Guess the Lions podcast presented by Slingshot Esports. It is week six of the North American LCS, and things are really starting to come together for a lot of these regions. But NA in particular seems to have established themselves as having two top tier teams, a middle of the pack that is incredibly interesting to break down and then some teams that you know exist and it's going to be a very fun opportunity as we head into the second half of the split to see if any big shakeups are going to be had and i am joined by my good friend and co-host walter cd spedchuk to try to break all of that down walter how you doing man i am doing great i'm excited to be back talking about north america the stronger of the two western lcs regions it's awesome my tsm boys are just they're on cloud nine so to speak (laughs) ha 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 but no north america has been really fun to watch i think obviously the top two teams are much better than anybody else um and while we don't have the same sort of i guess parody europe has where anyone can beat anyone um i sort of like the fact that we have these two very very strong teams uh that are really you know kind of crushing the rest of the competition and it bodes very well for when we get into the the world's you know postseason maybe these two teams can make some noise absolutely whether you're happy with how north america has broken down the split is very much contingent on what you're looking for in a season if you're looking for craziness every week and anybody can beat anybody then yeah europe's going to do just fine for you But here on the Rough Drafts podcast, we look towards the future. We get excited about worlds and seeing teams and powerhouses really come into their own. It's the same fun of watching a team like the Golden State Warriors or LeBron's Cavs or anything else. It's just nice to see people at the top of the game be at the top of their game. And right now, TSM and Immortals have done just that. And let's start by talking about TSM. They go up against Cloud9 in Game 1 of this week. Uh, obviously, the first time these teams played, it was a rather close series. It was 2-1 in TSM's favor. Cloud9 were able to grab a game. It was one of the couple games that TSM has dropped so far this split. Walter, you're a TSM fan. You've got to be enjoying every ounce of this season. What are you looking for from TSM to make a statement here against Cloud9? Just keep getting better. I just want to see uh, maybe a little bit more. I want to start seeing them dig down into their bag of tricks and start pulling out some other things. Um, one of the problems that TSM has when they go into Worlds in particular is they're fairly one note. They're fairly, you know, they really only have one strategy. And I've said before, and I, I, you know, every other analyst on the planet has said before, 
TSM isn't very adaptable when you get out of Champion Select or even in Champion Select if you catch them off guard with a unique champion pick. You know, we joke about the Cassiopeia top lane or even going way back to Season 3 where SKT and OMG just basically camped the hell out of Dyrus and just constantly went after him. These types of strategies really catch them off guard. So I want to see TSM... You know, go away from the Zillion, go away from the Lucian, start experimenting with some things, and now look at, you guys are 10-0 going through your first, you know, the first five weeks. You're going to make the playoffs. You're not a lock for the number one seed because you do have Immortals chipping, you know, snipping at your heels and you have Liquid and Cloud9 that are there, but... Start experimenting against some of the weaker teams. Start pulling out some other champion picks. Play some other styles. See what else can possibly work. Because when you get to Worlds, the, you know teams are going to be prepared for what you're going to do. They're going to be prepared for the Lucian. They're going to be prepared for the Zillion that Bjergsen is probably one of the best Zillion players in the world right now. You know, Explore a little, figure out some things, and use the remainder of the North American season to not only clinch this number one seed so you don't have to play against Immortals or anyone until the very final, you know, the, until the finals. And just enjoy yourself. Play a little. Find out what works. And damn, Biofrost is good. Biofrost is incredible. You know, I've got to be honest. This whole team is incredible. And I'm not a TSM fan. I let you take over that privilege because you've been with the team for forever. But this team is just so much fun to watch. And the moment for me that I realized that I just love watching this team was their second game against CLG. Bjergsen was in the CLG red side jungle and he had been caught out by, I believe it was Xmithia and Darshan were coming to try to set him out of the fight so that TSM couldn't siege CLG's base around the 28 minute mark or so. And the entire TSM team rushed over to defend him, grabbed the two kills and made sure they were at full strength when they sieged the base. And that was one of the most intelligent decisions I have seen a Western team make in a while. It was such a perfect understanding of not just who the key player is on your team, because understanding that Bjergsen is your win condition is not necessarily new for TSM. Certainly, they've gotten to the point now where Hanser is arguably the best top laner in North America. Double Lift is playing as good as he's ever played, and he's been an MVP caliber player at times in his career. Certainly, you don't need Bjergsen to win all these games, but it was just the speed and the efficiency with which they reacted. There wasn't a moment wasted in terms of making sure that Bjergsen was safe, secured, got the kills that they needed to get, and then were immediately able to grab an even better objective than they would have been able to had they let him die and sacrificed him to just get a mid-inhibitor. It was so smart and so crisp, and honestly... With the exception of Immortals, I don't think a team in North America has come close. See, Cloud9 has had some good games, and we're going to talk about Cloud9 in a second, but they're not a bad team. This is not a team that I would be willing to just straight up start experimenting on the way that I would against, say, their second opponent this week, who I think is totally okay to start experimenting on. But I just don't know what you're supposed to do when a team's playing that on sync. It's not like envy where you can just attack their shot caller and throw everything off this team holds up against those kinds of tests and i i don't know man it's it's going to be really tough for a team to try to take them out but that is cloud nine's job this week that is the task that has been placed in front of them walter how does cloud nine go about putting themselves in a position to succeed here what do they need to do 
if they're going to be able to try to force TSM off and really test them in that way. See, the thing is, I, I don't see a very clear path to victory for Cloud9 um, because they struggled so much against Liquid and so much against Immortals. I think if you really do want to try and beat TSM, you have to go back to the very first game they played against Liquid, where essentially it was uh, it was get impact ahead, get impact to the point that he can just split push himself or he can just be a massive tank and hold up against the split push because TSM is really settling into this kind of 4-1 four, four split push. And uh, I'm just not sure. Meteos and Impact, they've had their moments where they've looked in sync, where they do look like the, the old school balls and Meteos style, you know, top lane where they, you know, go gank at like level four, level five and try and keep the enemy top laner down. But one of the things with Meteos that I've noticed watching his player cam is he doesn't look like he's having fun. He doesn't look like he's enjoying the game. The same thing when I've been watching his streams lately with Sneaky, he just doesn't look like he's enjoying the game at all. And and this is one of the things I was worried about is if Meteos isn't emotionally involved, if he doesn't care, He's not Meteos of old. Granted, right now he's top KDA for the jungle position. He's playing very well as a jungler. But something just seems off about him and just seems off about the team in general, especially when they lose. They're just not very consistent. When you look at the board, it's it's just very weird. It's very weird watching Cloud9 because they do have these sort of moments of brilliance where you're like, okay, this is a very good team. Sneaky and Jensen's a very good combo. Their support, you know, constant swapping of, okay, let's play this support. Let's play this support. Let's play this support. It's not punishing them. It's actually been fairly successful for them. But I'm just, I'm just not sure that this team's ceiling is all that high. I'm not sure it's as high as an Immortals or as a TSM or even as a Liquid. I just I think that it's a very kind of their 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 floor and their ceiling are very close to each other, and it's kind of nestled right in the middle of like where Immortals and TSM's floor and ceiling are. So I'm just I, I think this is the third best team in North America, but I'm not excited about this team. Watching this team isn't exciting. It's not like oh man, they're you know Jensen's really gonna go off. It's like a okay, they're kind of the barrier to entry for the top three, I suppose. And, and Team Liquid beat them last week, you know, despite yeah. the remake, despite losing game one, games two and three, and even the remake game, Dardock took it to them. Yeah. Phoenix took it to them. And Liquid said, no, 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 we're done with this fourth place bull. Like, <laughs> no, 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 we're done with it. And I think it was very telling that Immortals and Liquid had such an easy time in their victories of beating Cloud9. Yeah, I think it's a concern for sure. I mean, if you're looking at just how Cloud9 lost those games in addition to just losing them against Immortals, in game one, they were out-rotated. Immortals took tower after tower and sieged brilliantly, and there was nothing Cloud9 could do to come close to killing these guys. And in game two, Immortals just brute-forced them. They just got kill after kill. They caught Meteos out a whole bunch of times. Sneaky and Smoothie got decimated which is not something that we're used to from this team. And it's one of those things, okay, well, if you can't out-rotate a top team and you can't outplay a top team when you go head-to-head, -head, what can you do against a team like TSM? And I, I think the answer is they can't. Now, I'm going to give Medios a little bit of credit uh, as far as maybe how his attitude looks like the last couple of weeks. I think that when you're going up against Liquid and you're going up against Immortals 
and you're seeing that your KDA is, is staying strong and everyone else on your team is kind of step taking a step back. I understand being frustrated by that. I thought Bunny's thresh was incredible, but outside of that, I didn't see anything from this team this week that made me say, oh, yeah, right. This is why they're the third best team in North America. But, it was but, just a poor week. But, but the isn't prob- that – sorry to interrupt, but isn't that the thing about Cloud9? Who's the risk taker on this team? No one well, – No, there's no risky plays on this team ever. And I understand yeah. that having like consistent safe play is great. It's wonderful. Like it, it'll you know, get you wins. But I've just never seen anyone on this team pull a Kiwi kit. It's funny you say that because I think we saw that when they were down a whole bunch to Immortals. As soon as they're down by a significant amount of gold, the casters pointed this out. They don't like to lose slowly. If they're losing and they're aware that they're losing, they're going to try to force plays to try to get themselves back on track. So either they catch up or they lose quickly. And it's one of those things where you know, I, I think there's some credit to that. I think that's a smart, intelligent way to handle those kinds of situations because, honestly, there's no value in drawing out a terrible loss. There's nothing that's going to make you better in that regard. But at the same time, that needs to come up more often. And so far, the only time it's come up is when Medios plays Rek'Sai. Re- Medios is 8-4 and four on Rek'Sai. is by far his most played champion. Everything else is below the curve with the exception of two games on Elise, which just isn't enough of a sample size. But his Gragas hasn't been good. His Kindred was okay. His Graves was not good. I mean, that's a problem. It means, it means that you're very predictable. It means that the ganking style that comes that way is predictable. And as soon as you understand where he's going to go, well, Jensen likes to lane, Impact likes to lane, Sneaky likes to lane. And you shouldn't have to wait until you're losing to light a fire under your ass. That's just not the way that you're going to be able to take out teams like TSM. I want to see them get, take that aggression out before they start falling behind because by the time they fall behind a TSM, if you've learned anything else about this split, it's that you don't come back from being far behind a TSM. Where do you think the line is, Walter? I have TSM at minus 333. Okay, I get this one. Nah. I said TSM minus 350. It is TSM minus 357. Cloud9 at plus 250. And I would not take that bet, which I think says more about Cloud9 than it does about TSM. I mean, look, TSM's really, really good. I would not bet against TSM right now in pretty much any situation. I think think the only team is Immortals. Yeah, and and even then, we need to get real value on Immortals. Yeah, Like, if it was just Immortals plus 150 or something, it wouldn't be worth it. Which we aren't going to get to see TSM versus Immortals until week nine, which actually excites me. Yeah, that'll I, be a good series. It seems like Riot might have learned that keeping some games to the last week of the split is a good idea. Let's move forward. Envious versus Immortals. Walter, congratulations. I'm not going to ask you if Envious is a good team because this week they proved that they're not a very good team. Oh, oh, thank you. Thank you're, you for that. I'm so glad you concede that point to me finally. You're you're welcome. Well, and look, I, to be fair, once you drop a map against Echo Fox, I feel like you're allowed to change your mind. Like, that was the sign that told me, if you're taking Karthus into Anivia, I don't know what else to say. Like, what, what's happening to this team, Walter? Why are we going from them looking like a, you know, good-bad team in the worst-case scenario to just looking like a weak team overall? Proxen. Proxen's fallen off a cliff. He's, he's not getting any of the early pressure that he was early on in the season. He's really not 
covering for some of the faults that they have in terms of the aggressiveness that Teroff and Ninja have when they're pushing lanes. Uh, their pick band strategy is very bizarre at times. I have no clue as why you'd ever pick Parthus. Um, even if you thought it was a counterpick into Anivia, it's traditionally not. Anivia is the counterpick to Karthus. Um, and just, it, it, it's not a strong champion right now. You didn't have any sort of like reset champion. Like maybe if you paired it with something like a Kha'Zix where you're trying to use the ultimate to initiate and then allow Kha'Zix to sort of clean up team fights, fine, maybe I see it, but it just made absolutely no sense to me, especially when you're letting Froggen be on one of his signature champions. Lot and Haku are fine. They're still playing great, in my opinion. Hakuo is dying a little bit more, but I think that's because Proxen doesn't have as much control over the enemy jungle and over the map as a whole, and Hakuo is trying to make up for it and get into warding. And his positioning has always been awkward. Um, he's always had these moments where he does get caught out because his pathing can be very predictable and he doesn't necessarily sweep the right bushes or if you place wards in unusual spots, he doesn't check for them. Um, but I think it really comes down to Proxen is... is not exerting the same amount of pressure he was early on in the season. And Envious's real strength was when those three guys, their, their solo leaners and Proxen, were really able to put a lot of pressure on the map and, and you know, form this death ball, form this three-man roam squad, form this three-man gang squad, have the double teleports coming in with Proxen coming in. It's just very, very unusual. And I know, Hakuo, I called you out on the Braum last, last podcast. Yeah, okay, I guess everyone's just playing Braum now. I, I don't really... I understand why he's a very strong champion and you can do a lot with him, but it still seems unnecessarily risky when you're looking at the fact that every other support that's being played is Bard, Karma, Nami, Zyra, all these ranged supports, other mm -hmm. than the very occasional Alistar that we've seen out of, like, Aphromoo, which that was another type of bizarre to me. So, I, I, Envious, I still think they're, you know, contending to be a top six team, and the fact that they had so many wins early on in the season is really going to help them as CLG and, and Apex sort of contend for one of those last couple spots. But I think they really need to figure out how to get Proxen rolling again, and I don't think it's on Graves. Oh, God. I, I don't want to see him on Graves again. That's nope. just something that should not be happening in this meta. And I don't know why they're so reliant on it. I, I think you're absolutely correct. I think pick and man has been strange to say the least for this team. And that has hurt them. And if you're looking at Proxen's jungle coverage, let's look no further than the fact that they went from the second best early game team in North America with a EGR somewhere in the mid sixties. And now they're around 57.7. That's a pretty big drop off in two weeks. Their jungle coverage has fallen all the way to 50.6%. That is not nearly the pressure that they were getting. And now they have placed the sixth most wards in the league. Only Echo Fox, CLG, Liquid, and NRG place fewer wards per minute. That's not ideal. It's one of those things where you've really got to start breaking down how you can get this team back on track when it comes to these kinds of pressure plays. Because if Proxen isn't getting pressure on the map and you aren't able to free up Ninja and Seraph, especially Seraph, who we mentioned last week that people had started realizing that if you just attack him in lane, he has a very hard time being able to consistently make shot calls. That was proven this week. KFO couldn't take advantage of it, but man, did it look bad when we saw Liquid start attacking them in that top lane. He just completely lost sight of what to do. And I don't know how you fix that. Seraph's got to find a way to have some stronger mental resilience here. But I will say this. 
We freak out because Envious has been on a downward slide. Their only losses this split are to Cloud9, Immortals, TSM, and this loss to Team Liquid, who they 2-0'd earlier in the split. It is very possible that we have just seen them on a bad run against some very good teams, and now they're going to start playing some weaker teams and then they'll catch back up and we'll start remembering why this team looked so good in the first place. But that's not going to happen against Immortals. Where do you think the line is, Walter? No, there's not a chance that it happens against Immortals. Immortals is way better, and the amount of control that Rainover places on the map is just outrageous. Uh, I have Immortals at minus 333. You said minus 333. I, I did, yes, minus 333. Okay, so I had to do some maths here. You are 84 points off. I am 83 points off, so I win this one. I said minus 500 is minus 417. It is a literal rounding error that gave me the point. Okay. <laughs> I swore while I was muted. Don't worry about it, folks. <laughs> I swore already. There's not going to be a beep. Hey, man, you, there's nothing wrong. People like the beep sound effect. Yeah, that's but the beep sound effect is a pain in the ass for me to put in. There you go. There's a bleep. <laughs> oh, man. I cannot believe it was that close. But yeah, minus 417 seems fair. Yeah, I don't think Envious plus 290 I would take. I think Immortals is just head and shoulders above the rest of the league other than TSM. Yep. I would okay. agree. I think they're pretty much at even even tier, honestly. Yeah. Let's move forward. NRG versus Apex, the first series on Saturday. Apex, man, I have been off the Apex hype train for a while now, ever since I made that one raid a win joke back in week two on the pod. And I feel justified after seeing Phoenix 1 take them out. I got to ask you, Walter, what happened to this team? Why are they struggling this much at this point? Well, like you said in that joke, they have one ray to win. And when teams can sort of shut down, shut them down and play around that, it, it works. I mean, Keen is not a carry. He's an anti-carry. His job is to shut down better mid laners. Apollo and Xpecial are, they're okay bot lane but they're a safe like utility style bot lane so the secondary carry on this team was supposed to be shrimp and shrimp is just extremely extremely inconsistent there you know there are games where he looks great and there are games where he just looks absolutely terrible and we should make note shurnfire was added to the roster for apex pride the, uh, I believe he's the Australian jungler that was going to play in North America and had some ban in Australia that then got enforced here. So there is a chance that perhaps we do see Diamond Procs come up to the main roster, um, which would be interesting, I think. It might be the shakeup Apex needs to sort of stay in this playoff hunt. But yeah, it just comes down to Ray is the only person on this team that can carry, and teams are just going after him. Immortals... I, obviously has a much better top laner in Cooney than Ray, and I even think that Ray is just a more raw, a less refined version of Cooney. And you just look at what Phoenix One was able to do. It was a Nori and Zig basically out 2v2ing Shrimp and Ray. And when Shrimp doesn't have the type of influence on the map that he's supposed to, that he's been purported to have and that he did when they played in the challenger series last split and even into the qualifiers this team just falls apart because they don't have a secondary carry outside of ray 
Yeah, I, I want to talk about some things here. First of all, if Keane's an anti-carry, then they should be very afraid of the fact that he leads the team in damage per minute. And by a significant portion, he is currently doing 30.2% of the team's damage. That is a very high number for most teams to see from their mid laner. As a general rule, there are only a couple players in the league that do a higher percentage of their damage per minute. Froggen, Phoenix, Pyrian, GBM, and, and then here we are. I, I, that, I mean, that's not ideal. We should not be seeing a guy like Keen, a guy who typically does not do a very good job hard carrying games, being that big of a part of this team's offense. And the reason we see that is because who else is doing damage? Certainly not Apollo, who's only doing 24.5% of the team's damage. His damage per minute numbers are abysmal as far as AD carries go. He has continued to be exactly the player we expected him to be. I've gone on record as saying that I think Shrimp is terrible. I think he's one of the three worst junglers in North America right now. I don't, you know, I don't even think it's a consistency issue. I just don't think he's good. I can't remember the last time I said, oh man, what a great Shrimp game. Just doesn't seem to happen anymore. And honestly, if we're looking at the one Ray to win joke, Ray right now, 80 deaths in the 25 games they've played so far. He has a 2.5 KDA. He is... Uh, he has a negative CS differential at 10 minutes, a negative gold differential at 10 minutes. Yes, he does more damage per minute than any other top laner than Hanser and Huni, both of whom have been incredibly dominant. But the difference between him and the rest of the pack is not all that big. Seraph is only a few points behind him nowadays, and he has been dropping his average for the last few weeks now. I don't know if he's going to figure it out. This is something that Kelsey Moser pointed out in her article when Ray was first hitting the scene, that he'd had problems with his game sense. And I don't think that's getting fixed. And if that's not fixed, and Apollo's not going to be doing damage, and Keen is now the hard carry of this team, this is the worst case scenario for Apex. I don't, I don't see where this gets salvaged. But if it was going to get salvaged, you'd think NRG might be the team against which they'd salvage it. Because NRG has also been struggling immensely this split. Walter. If you're NRG, what do you do to try to mimic the success the Phoenix One had against him last week? Play through Big Baby Quas. He's back. <laughs> Play through Quas. Play through Santorin. Go to that top lane and shut him down. Let's go after him. Mm. Go after that top lane. Let OQ and GBM just kind of go even against Keen and against Apollo and go after Red. Take it to him. I want to see Santorin ganking, you know, 70, 80% of his ganks in this series should be going after Ray, should be going into the enemy jungle, trying to find Shrimp or maybe Diamond Prox, catch them off guard, get a bunch of kills and get Quas going. Get him on the Jacks, get him on the Alawi. Like, just set him up to succeed in a way that they did in the, in the Echo Fox series, in the series that they've won, in the times that energy has won it really is more been about quas than it has been about anything else let's not forget they've taken games off of some very good teams they've taken a game off of immortals envious and team liquid they made those series go to three games so this is a team that as they're figuring things out maybe maybe they make a little run here towards the end of the season i don't think they're actually going to win a series against Probably the top five or six teams on that list, but against Apex, they can. 
they can win this series and that'll be huge for getting them into that seven spot and out of relegation territory, which I think would be massive for the the organization, would be massive sort of for the confidence of players like GBM and OQ especially. But yeah, play through Quas, play through Santorin and go after Ray and Shrimp. Yeah, I think that's absolutely the way to go. If you look at players that have died the most this split, uh, Gate is at the top of the list, obviously. Gate's been atrocious, but... Ray has died 80 times. Hooney's died 78, but he makes up for it with all the other plays he makes for the team. Shrimp has died 75 times. And then Quas is there at 73 at the five spot. This is going to be where the battle is. If they can keep Quas alive, if they're making smart enough ganks and putting Santor in a position to snowball him ahead of Ray, this team could be very good because Santorin honestly has looked good this split. I have been impressed with how Santorin has played. He has been the, one of the brightest spots of this team. But let's do us all a favor here. We talked about weird picks earlier. Let's stop picking Graves, NRG. Let's make use of the fact that you have like seven analysts on your in your whole organization and stop picking things from three patches ago. Please? Just pretty please? Because there's no reason you should have died as many times as you did in those games against CLG. Those were quick games because you gave yourself no real win condition. And you need to stop that. You're not going to beat Apex if you lack intelligence in the pick and ban phase. Apex isn't that bad. But if you play smart and you pick smart, they're absolutely in a position that they could win this series. Walter, where do you think the line is? I have the line, Apex's slight favorites at minus 175. Wow, I get this one. You went too high. I said minus 170. It is minus 149. Which, honestly, is just unfortunate because there's no real value to the upset odds at NRG plus 115. So let's move on. Phoenix 1 versus Echo Fox. The battle of 1 and 9 teams. Phoenix 1 found a way, Walter. They did it. They got a victory. Has this changed your opinion of Phoenix 1 at all? Uh, no. Okay. (laughs) They're still the worst team in North America. I... No, fine, congrats, you won a series. Like, they were going to win one at some point. Everyone wins one, and I guess I just thought maybe it would be more like, yeah, they're not going to put two games together in a best-of-three scenario, and sure, they might end 0-18 in terms of series, but they were going to have some game wins under their belt. Um, I don't think this team is as bad as some of the worst teams that have come through the LCS. I don't think they're as bad as that one Coast team. I don't think mm. they're as bad as Velocity was or, you know, Marin or any of these teams that we think of, man, the worst teams that have ever been in LCS history. I think they're okay. I just think they're the worst of the 10 teams that are in the league right now, and they're probably going to have to play against uh, against Team Liquid Academy or, or maybe Dream Team in the, play, in the relegation series in that very first round. But I've been watching a little bit more Challenger series last couple weeks. I don't think that any any LCS team, with the exception of maybe Phoenix 1 against Cloud9's Challenger team, I don't think there's any Challenger team in any region that is good enough to beat an LCS team in a best of five series, with the exception of the Cloud9 Challenger team against maybe Phoenix 1. So, see, there's that I, for you. I, I got to go back and watch some more film. There are a couple of teams that I really like when I look at what they've done on paper and, and some of the stats they've put out, but obviously it's hard to translate that sometimes. I will say this. I don't think Phoenix 1 is good. I think Inori has helped, certainly, but I don't think of this as a good team. But Echo Fox is just as bad, in my opinion. I mean, Echo Fox looked 
terrible last week. Just absolutely terrible. I watched the base race game with my mom, and I had to break down with her when that went down. The multitude of ways in which that was the dumbest thing I have ever seen a team do in terms of costing themselves the game. I have no idea why they backed off. I have no idea why they didn't send anyone back to base if they were going to back off. I have no idea what they thought their win condition was in this scenario, other than the fact that they just looked scared. And if you're looking scared against NRG, who are you going to play with any confidence against? I'm, I'm just, I'm tired of seeing Frog and single-handedly try to will the rest of this team to be good, because they're not. I'm sorry, I know you love Hard as, as a person, but Hard is terrible. His every single game, I find five things about his build that make me mad. I, he, you know, Keith has been a no-show. Big has been terrible. KFO has been underwhelming at his best days. I don't think this team's any good. And at the very least, Phoenix won. They've breathed some new life into that team with Inori. I think it's very much in play that Phoenix won might be better than them right now. There's basically no difference in terms of their win-loss rate. Even if you take it away from series, Phoenix 1 is 5-19. and 19, Echo Fox is 5-18. and 18. There's no real difference there. And I don't know. I, I just don't see anything on Echo Fox outside of Froggen that makes me say that they're a better team than Phoenix 1. And I'm not sure that Froggen hard carrying is enough at this point because, again, that NRG series was just awful. Where do you think the line is, Walter? I have Echo Fox as the slightest of favorites, and I'm probably wrong. I have Echo Fox at minus 150. You get this one. You are, you yay, are correct. Yay! I said Echo Fox minus 200. I thought they were going to be slow to react to Phoenix 1, and they've been giving everyone so many points against Phoenix 1. It's minus 164, which is incredibly reasonable. And frustrating, because Phoenix 1 at plus 125, I'm not sure it's good enough odds. We'll have to come back to it, but... That, uh, that might not be enough to justify the smart money bet. Yeah. The thing with Echo Fox, and this is something unusual that someone brought up, I think it was on Twitter or Reddit, was now that there are some teams like Dream Team and like Apex Pride uh, you know, kind of struggling in the Challenger Series and might not make the playoffs, maybe now is the time to sell off some players. And one of the very interesting statements that was made was, Perhaps Diamond Prox gets transferred to Echo Fox and replaces Hard. And could you imagine a world where we have Diamond Prox and Froggen on the same team? Oh my oh, god, man. that'd be amazing! I'd be so happy. No, I, I think I think this might be Froggen's last hurrah. I think uh and, and I I know that hurts to say. Um I honestly think that he he'll probably go back to Europe if he's gonna continue playing. Um but this is it. Like, this is his fourth team ever since they went to Worlds with Alliance, and they just haven't been able to put a good roster around him, ever. It's just unfortunate, and maybe it's, you know, maybe this is his career. Maybe he's Charles Barkley. Maybe well, he is the Charles Barkley of the LCS, where he was a really good at what he did, but never quite got the right team around him, and it's unfortunate. Well, let, let's not get too revisionist history here. For the record, three of those four teams you, you named since they, you know, CLGEU, uh, Alliance, Elements are all the same team. They were owned by the same guys. He never left the team. He wasn't a journeyman. Once he got on the team, he stuck with it until he went over to Echo Fox. 
That's the only move that he's made from one organization to another. So I, I want to make sure that's clear to people. This is not some guy that's been roaming around the league. Second of all, let's not forget that Alliance won Europe heading into the 2014 summer split. They got the number one seed for Europe heading into Worlds. They had a group stage in which they were very much poised to get out of it until they blew a game because Wicked can't figure out how to play Kale in one of the most embarrassing losses to, that you've seen a Western team have in international play. That team was good. That team was a very good team. He has done some things. His CLGEU days, he had a lot of success there. This is not a guy without accolades or without championships. What he is is a guy that you just watch week in and week out and know what he's capable of, and it just hurts. It's not fun to watch him on Echo Fox. He is so much better than every player he's surrounded with right now, and he's doing all of the right things every game, and you can see him just trying to will his teammates into making intelligent calls, and it just doesn't happen. And, you know, I, I've been up and down on Froggen throughout his career. I thought he was stubborn after a certain point during his time at Elements, and we're going to play the game a certain way, and that's just the way to do it. But, man, when you see it on Echo Fox, you understand why he feels that way. You understand what it is about him that just that commands that kind of respect. And I don't know, man. I hope this isn't it for him. I, I think he still loves the game. I think he's still talented enough, but... I mean, I wouldn't return to Echo Fox after this split. I, I couldn't imagine wanting to stay there, but we got to move forward. Team Liquid versus Immortals. Game of the week. Game of the week? Game of the week to me. Interesting. I think this is a better, I think this will be a better series than TSM versus Cloud9. I, I just have this strange feeling Cloud9 is on a downward direction right now, and Team Liquid is going up. Well, I, I'm, well that's the thing. I'm, I wanted to hear this, your thoughts on Liquid here, because... They, they beat Envious, and they took a win off of Cloud9. What are you seeing in Liquid that has you believing in where this team is going moving forward? They're, they're getting aggressive. Dardock is getting really aggressive. I think he's now more aggressive than, than Rainover is in terms of the invades, in terms of the ganks, in terms of getting pressure onto the enemy jungler and the enemy top lane and the enemy bot lane and the enemy laners. Like, Fabi is working. They figured out how to make it work with Fabi, put him on utility, let him do his thing. Piglet's a distant memory to me on this team. By getting rid of Piglet, it's now allowing Phoenix to take more resources and really be this sort of secondary or even primary carry in some of these instances. They are playing through the top lane, the mid lane, and the jungle, and they're allowing the bot lane to just survive and, and provide the utility and the peel and slows and CC and all these other things that are necessary, which is where the meta is right now. I think this may punish them if they end up going to Worlds because let's not forget the joke, Triforce gets buffed right before Worlds and Corky and all the carry 80 carries come back out to play. So maybe down the road this will hurt them, but I think right now in this meta, they are primed to make a run. And with how, how well Dardock has been playing and how confident he seems to have been playing, it's made Morlo play better. It's made Phoenix play better. It's made the roster come together in a way that it was coming together towards the end of last split. And I think they're going to make a run here. Now, I don't think they're necessarily going to beat Immortals, but I think this is going to be a very good and a very close series. Well, to go to your argument about Dardock, one of the things I love about him, you talk about aggression. This guy leads all junglers with kills, with 62 kills. Note that he has played four or more fewer games than every other jungler that I am considering in that list. 
He's only played 20 games, and he still has 62 kills. That is amazing. Uh, his assist numbers aren't quite as high as maybe some of these other junglers, but again, he's played fewer games. The deaths are really something that he's got to cut down on, but it's been getting better each week as this team seems to be getting more and more comfortable with each other. And he leads all junglers in damage per minute. So he is playing like a huge force on this team. And that is the thing. When we were talking you know, at the beginning of the season about what it means for Dardock and the rest of the org to not necessarily be seeing uh, you know, each other eye to eye, this is the presence we were so terrified of them missing. And it is so nice to see that even after a, a slight slump when he came back to action in week two and week three, he has come back to being exactly the player we knew he could be. But, you know, I, I think there's another part of this, too, which is that Phoenix has taken a step forward. I love what Phoenix has been doing recently for this team as far as being a mid lane presence. And there's a reason that both he and Dardock are tied with five player of the game awards uh, when you look at the standings there. He has been equally instrumental in this team in terms of when he has a great Victor game, when he has, when he has a great Azir game, when he has a Vladimir game or a Rise game or any of these kinds of champions. He has been consistent week in and week out. And that has been, to me, the difference maker here, is that it's not just that Dardock is being aggressive and making these plays. It's that guys like Phoenix are taking advantage of it. And guys like Fabi, who may not have the carry potential that Piglet does, they're able to still keep up. That said, Walter, the last time these two teams played, Immortals crushed Liquid. It was not particularly close. And it was right after the move to Fabi. So there was a lot of people who were saying that this was maybe a sign that without that hard carry star player potential, they weren't going to be able to match up against Immortals. So my question to you is, what is different this time around that will help Liquid keep the series close? Immortals has shifted Wild Turtle into more of this sort of utility carry style role. I think that Team Liquid is now more used to playing with Fabi. Like you said, it was right at the beginning of this sort of experiment. I don't think that they had nearly meshed as well as we see them meshing now. Um, and it comes down to Dardock has now really asserted himself on this team. He is the captain now, joke, joke, joke. He is the guy. He is, he's it. He's going to carry this team whether you like it or not. And I think ever since... He was suspended and finally got reinserted in the lineup way back against TSM. He has just gotten better and better and better and more aggressive and more confident in his play. And I think right now he sort of has this attitude similar to LeBron James and Steph Curry of, man, they're really talking about the Steph Curry guy. No, 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 no. He's no, no. I'm the North American. I'm the Amer I'm the I'm the guy from North America here. Uh, and that's why I think the series is going to be so close because I think he is going to be the first jungler to really go after Rainover and not make this a, you know, a game of League of Legends. It's going to be a duel between Dardock and Rainover in the jungle and whoever's able to sort of exert their influence on the other and tame the other person, basically. That's going to be the guy who's going to win a game, you know, each individual game. I just think Immortals over the long run, I think that... Hooney versus Morlo is definitely in Immortal's favor. And I think Pole Belter, as good as Phoenix has been playing the last couple of weeks, Pole Belter is on another level than what he, we've seen from him before. Because Wild Turtle is mostly on utility, now you have Pole Belter mainly playing that carry role. So uh, I have this one close. 
fairly close when you think of Immortals versus like a tier two team. I have Immortals at minus 225. Oh man, you're not going to like this line. I, uh, I got it almost exactly. I guessed minus 400, it's minus 385. No one's betting against Immortals. If you're not I TSM, would. no one's betting. I would so, bet on, I, I would say Team Liquid this week. Because uh, those are good odds. I, I have to see the rest, but I don't see any really good odds in any other game, except maybe this next one. I mean, I, I, I'll put it this way. I, on the one hand, I do agree that the odds are, are somewhat nice if you really believe in Liquid. I just don't know if Liquid Strengths match up well. Rainover and Huni could punish what is still Dardock's weaknesses, which is that he still gets caught out too many times. He is dying far too often for what they need him to be. And if they cannot stop that from happening, if they let Huni or Rainover start snowballing, it's going to be a very, very, very rough time for Dardock. But we'll see. We'll come back to it. Uh, Envious versus CLG. We talked about Envious earlier. I want to talk about CLG here. CLG, slowly but surely, climbing up the standings. They've been one and one every week since the opening week. At what point do we start taking CLG seriously? Is it, is it now that they're finally technically a playoff team? What, what do you feel about them right now? They need to actually beat someone of consequence. They need to be, uh, you know, they need to be, they did beat Team Liquid way back when, but they actually need to beat like Cloud9 or they need to beat Team Liquid now, now that they're playing very well, or they need to beat Immortals, or they need to not get O Ford and just a shellacking by TSM. I know the one game that they played Aurelian Soul Mid was, was sort of close, but once TSM gets their hands around your throat, you're done. You're dead. You're strangled. And it's not a fat, it's not a slow strangle. It's not a, you know, Burmese python. It's, you know, someone manically strangling you, shaking your head until you die. And that's what happened to CLG. So until I see them truly, truly, truly put up a really, really good fight against some of these upper echelon teams. Yeah, they're a playoff team right now, but this is a far cry from the roster that went to MSI and looked so good and took second at one of two international tournaments that Riot's host that everyone was afterwards throwing their hands up. Oh my God, this is so important. This is so good. They got exposed. They have been exposed. Hui is a bad mid laner. He -hmm. is bad. He is probably the third worst mid laner in North America right now behind Pyrian slash Slushy and Keen. I would put Frog in above him. I would put him on the same tier as maybe GBM. I'd probably put GBM a little bit higher because he's better in laning. He's a little better uh, in team fights than Hui. I'm just, I'm not sold on this roster because Stixay cannot carry if he does not have the peel and Hui is a dumpster fire. Darshan is playing better. I will give him, I will give them that. Darshan is playing a little bit better. Is he, is he playing better? Well, let's play a game. What do you think Darshan's KDA is right now? Don't look. Take a guess. Uh, I'm going to say somewhere between 3.0 and 3.5. 1.9. There you go. That's, he that's is a your dumpster fire. fire. That's your that, that, fire. that is the best player on this team. He has a 49.6 kill participation right now. His damage per minute, if you compare him to other top laners right now, this is a guy who, again, this is supposed to be the guy that you trust to carry. He is seventh in the league in damage per minute numbers. As your hard carry, split pushing top laner, only Lorlo, KFO, and Zig have lower damage per minute numbers than he does. His earned gold per minute is even worse. I, 
How? How is this where we are with him? This is the thing. Like, who he compared to other mid laners is just below average. Darshan is well below average for top laners. And that, given the way that they're supposed to be playing, should be impossible. I don't understand how we're even at this point with CLG. Almost insane to me that these are the conversations we have to be having. And if they can't execute the split push, hard carry top laners with Darshan, the guy who was known for his jacks play, then when are they going to be good? I don't, I don't see it anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of having to take this team seriously. I'm tired of having to look at all these lines and see people giving them benefit of the doubt here on all these things. They, you can't rest on this for forever. I, ex someone has to explain to me, if we're supposed to take CLG seriously and believe this is just a slump, someone has to explain to me why a 1.9 KDA from your star top laner is acceptable. Someone has to explain to me why it's okay that Aphromoo is still playing things like Alistar in a meta that has absolutely no room for it. And by the way, he doesn't look particularly good on it either. I, I just don't understand. Who he isn't even the biggest problem I have with this team anymore. I I'm so just done with this whole roster. And yet, they're a playoff team right now because this is where North America is because Apex can't figure their stuff out. NRG is still really struggling, and Echo Fox and Phoenix One are actual dumpster fires versus Counter Logic Gaming, which is just incredibly disappointing. Hey man, Cloud9 and Team Liquid are going to have some easy outs in that first round of playoffs. Yeah, whichever. For the fight for the three seed is going to be really relevant. Where do you think the line is, Walter? I have Envy as the favorite at minus 180. Okay, cool. Neither of us get the point because we both picked Envy as his favorites. Are you CL kidding me? CLG's favorite at minus 130. So we get to get to take Envy at even and be happy. Call it a day. No, because I didn't think Envy were winning this series. Why? What, what part of what we just talked about makes you think they're better than Envy? Because Envy's been playing like crap too, so. Against good teams, though. They don't have anyone with a 1.9 KDA. Are you insane? Fair, 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 fair. Envious's losses are only to good teams. CLG has lost a lot more games than that. It's true. I, That's I, true. Uh, I, I, man, I, I, I am sad. That's awful. I don't know why CLG is, is favored at all. I, I don't understand why. Because they two owed energy and Envy got, I, I don't know. I have no idea. I guess their loss to TSM is worth less than the Envy's loss to Team Liquid. I, that is, that, there you go. There's your awful line of the week from Unicorn. Go make yeah. money off of it, I guess. That's, a, so, that's well, a well, apparently you're telling me not to because you think CLG can win this series. I don't, I don't want to gamble on this series, in all honesty, because I feel like Envious is, is mediocre, too. I feel like they're on the same tier level. Well, this is the difference between you and me. I think uh, I think Envious might be mediocre. I think CLG's bad. I genuinely do. I don't I don't see anything in the numbers or the way they've played it with the eye test that makes me think that they're decent. I just don't think they're good. I don't necessarily think that Envious is great, but I think they're good. I don't think they're bad. I think Counter Logic Gaming is bad, but whatever. We'll agree to disagree. It's not enough value, so we'll call it a stay away. Just I'm not going to pretend to be happy about it. Let's move forward. Apex versus TSM. We can rapid fire the rest of these because honestly, none of these remaining games are going to be particularly close. Uh, where do you put the line for TSM versus Apex? TSM minus 500. Okay, I get this one. And with it, the week, uh, I said minus 600. It is minus 909. 
which I, I mean, that's fair. I'm not taking Apex at plus 500, so there we go. See, this is what I was saying. Europe gets closer, so all the small lines are better for me. North America is like, hey! <laughs> I mean, hey! Yeah. Let's go minus 1,000. Who cares? <laughs> hey, hey, minus 909. There is a difference. Let's move forward. NRG versus Cloud9. If NRG was going to have a path to victory here, you talked about how maybe they could make a run in the second half of the split. What do they need to do to, to make, start making that run? Everyone, let's say it with me. I said it earlier. It's call and response. Play through big baby quas. Go to the <laughs> top lane. Go after impact. Go after Meteos. Santorin is a better jungler than Meteos right now. I, I will say it. I think he is a better jungler than Meteos right now. <laughs> Go after him, get Quas ahead on something like uh, Jax, like Aurelia, where he can just split push to his little heart's desire, and then just try and out team fight Cloud9 with, with GBM and OQ, who I think are better team fighters than Jensen, or against Sneaky. You're probably going to have some rough times in the laning phase in those two lanes. It's okay. Play safe, lane swap, get Quas ahead, and go after Impact. I don't think they do it, though. I, I think it's really hard to do that sort of thing, to, you know, two out of three games against Cloud9. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think Cloud9, even with the slight slump they've had, I think this is going to be uh, a series that they should be able to just take care of. They've got too many weapons on that team. Where do you think the line is, Walter? Cloud9 minus 350. Okay, you get this one. I went too low. I said minus 320. It is minus 417. It's energy at plus 290. I still think I, ta I wouldn't take energy there. Fair not gambling on them. Nope. Yeah. Fair line, not gambling on energy. Next up, CLG versus Phoenix One. I don't think CLG is very good. You seem to think they're around the envious level. So in, if that's the case, then Phoenix One obviously would have to take a pretty big step forward if they were going to win this series. <laughs> what do you think they need to do? What's the path for them? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Play better. <laughs> I honestly, I don't, I don't, as bad as I think, as bad as you think CLG is, I think Phoenix One is just less talented. I think just across the board, they're less talented. I just said like 15 minutes ago, I think Hui is the third worst mid laner, and that puts Pyrian underneath them. I think Pyrian and Slash Slushy are the worst mid laners in North America. So CLG is just going to play better than, than them and just out talent them. I guess the one thing that could be in Phoenix One's favor is. Maybe if CLG, they haven't been playing as well during like the team fight and macro decision making phase, um, and that's just because of been of some weird champion selections and some weird positioning mistakes by their carries. Maybe that's your path to victory is you out team fight them, but trying to out team fight CLG two out of three games is again it's really difficult for a lesser team to beat a better team two out of three times. Uh, so yeah, I, I guess just hope that maybe someone makes a mistake. You get a catch someone out on an invade, you catch someone out someplace and, and sort of snowball it that way. But I don't see Phoenix one winning this series. Nah, I don't either. You know, as, as much as, you know, I like to joke here, you know, Pyrian is not as good as who he, he is probably the weakest mid laner in the league right now. Inori can do some things maybe, but I'm not convinced on him yet outside of just him having a nice champion pool. Gates way too exploitable. And if Darshan can't handle Zig, then all hope is lost, really, at the end of the day. Where do you see the line, Walter? I have CLG at minus 350. Okay, you get this one as well. I went too low. I said minus 300, because I don't think CLG is very good. It's uh, CLG minus 385. 
puts Phoenix one and plus two seventy. Totally fair. Yeah, totally fair. Last one, Team Liquid versus Echo Fox. Echo Fox is currently my pick for weakest team in the league. Is there any way that Echo Fox can pull off an upset here, given all the nice things we said about Team Liquid earlier? You're asking me, could Echo Fox beat Team Liquid in two out of three games? And the answer is a resounding no. I so what's the line? It's going to happen. Team Liquid minus 300. Okay, I get this one. I said Team Liquid minus 500. It's Liquid minus 526. Which is fair, because Liquid is good and Echo Fox isn't. So that's our week. We got to do some money bets. Um, I guess do Envious over CLG, since you're so confident about that. Yeah, I uh, absolutely want that one. Um, since you're so confident about that one. No, I don't think they can beat Immortals. Really? Don't, don't even, no. no. So no. then we're going to do like... Because energy. the difference is that Immortals has a whole bunch of aggression behind them that CLG doesn't have. CLG doesn't force Envious on the back foot the way that Immortals... Oh, I wasn't does. saying Envious over Immortals. I wasn't saying that. I was saying... Oh. See, we either have to... Oh, you, to, want, you want to take want... Phoenix 1 over, uh, over CLG? Oh, no, I don't want that one either. No. Okay. So here's the thing. We have Energy over Apex, which is middling odds. We have Phoenix 1 over Echo Fox, which I'm like, eh, froggin' though. And then we have Team Liquid over Immortals. I'm happy taking Team Liquid over Immortals. Yes! Okay, Team Liquid over Immortals. I, I'm not as convinced on Liquid as you are, but I'm also willing to say that plus 270 is a lot of big. That's, that's really good big. That, that could, if it came through, if the upset happened, that alone would win us our money back for the week, which would be quite nice. It's a really good big. Uh, we can take one more safer one. I think energy over Apex is safer than Phoenix 1 over Echo Fox. Yeah, I agree. Okay. I'm happy to take energy Sweet. plus 115 over Apex. There so there go. we go. Uh, oh, and by the way, just so you guys know from last week, uh, we went 2 or 3 on our smart money bets last week. We had Liquid plus 240 over Cloud9. That came through. Uh, we had our two-team teaser, Liquid over Envious and Immortals over Apex at plus 120. That came through. The only one that didn't come through was our three-team teaser because we had the gall to think that Apex would take care of business against Phoenix 1. How dare oh. we think Phoenix 1 would lose a series? How dare we? I know, right? I don't know what we were thinking. But we did make you guys $260 in profit last week. So we're at 382 overall if you followed our smart money bets week by week. And this week we're going to add to it with Envious even over CLG. Liquid plus 270 over Immortals. NRG plus 115 over Apex. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, you should definitely subscribe on soundcloud.com slash esports rough drafts or on iTunes if you go to the podcast section and search rough drafts there. Uh, we love it when you guys subscribe or when you leave reviews. It really helps us a lot with our algorithm and we just love hearing from you. Uh, of course, you should also stay tuned to SlingshotEsports.com. They are our proud presenting sponsors of this podcast. We love working with those guys. They create tons of content across a whole bunch of different esports on a day-to-day basis. Uh, it's a great group of writers, and Skyen's done some comics for them as well. There's a lot of great content on that site, and you should absolutely go give it a read and see just how much awesome things are out there. Every Wednesday, you'll get our European LCS Guest the Lines podcast there. Every Thursday, it'll be our North American one, so you'll always have those to look forward to as well. Of course, you can also follow us personally on social media. I'm at RedshirtKing on Twitter. Walter, where can the nice people at home find you? You guys can find me at C80s underscore LOL. Perfect. And don't forget, you can also follow the podcast at at Rough Drafts Pod. Not only will that keep you up with all of our podcast news, but 
You'll also be able to watch us as we live tweet through all of these games. This weekend's going to be interesting because we have Europe and North America playing on Friday and Saturday. So we'll have a lot of games coming your way. It's going to be a whole bunch of fun. Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening. Come back next week. We'll be doing Europe and NA, same time as always. We're going to try to see if we can get an interview here and there now that we're uh, both settled into our places and figuring everything out. But we will keep you up to date with that. And until next time, goodbye, Internet.